Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to a Wednesday afternoon edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. I am still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I am joined by Mark Haynes of Clutch Points. Mark, good morning. Your time, sir. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Thanks, Chase, for having me, man. I I appreciate you, and uh, yeah, good morning to you as well. Oh, I don't know where to start because I had this whole list of things to to touch on today and when I do my outlines and I'm just reading everything and like I even feel like the stuff that I was perusing through this morning is already outdated and it just I I feel like as we're recording this we should even point out it's 12:55 east time so apologies for anything that changes after listening to this but um man I think we have to we have to start with Kawhi because First off, this sucks. And the latest is that he has an ACL injury. We don't know to the extent from Sham Sharania of the Athletic and Stadium. Um, that's it. Like it started off like he's just gonna miss game five, and now it's like, no, 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 no. This this is it. Um This has been the trend all year. This has been the trend. This is like the biggest fear, I'm sure, within the NBA and for Adam Silver was just like when you do this season. You rush it back, and when Anthony Davis talked about not getting his normal offseason of just like being pushed away for a month and not doing any basketball, not doing anything, mm-hmm. after the bubble, and we see this, like, there are just so many injuries, and this was like the concern of just like, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to be able to get through it. And now, like, we already had a quote-unquote asterisk champion last year because of the bubble nature and the lack of home field advantage and all that. But now mm-hmm. this year, it's just like, who's going to be the healthiest is basically who's going to be the NBA champion, right? Yeah, Chase, you're 100% right, man. I've, I've been saying that from the beginning. As soon as it started, as soon as the schedule came out, not seeing how rushed games were going to be, I was like, this it's not going to be about who's the best team and who has the best roster. It's definitely going to end up who's the healthiest at the end and healthy at the right time. And you see with the Lakers and, and Miami, they struggled, you know, with, with injuries all year, even though they both made it to the finals and they, this year both eliminated in the first round, um, probably heavily due to injury. Of course, the Lakers, you know, getting AD hurt, that, that was huge. But Miami never really got to play together as well. So this is definitely a strange year. And, like, man, just even covering the season was like, even though it was my first season covering, but it, it was brutal just how how many games were coming consecutively and just one night off and you back to it. And it was just, you know, it's yeah, this is a race to the finish line to see who's the healthiest it's this is just the nature of the sport so it's not fair to the team that ultimately does win the title this year that like oh they only won it because of injuries because that's just they you you play the cards you're dealt and Mm -hmm. the jazz can't feel bad if they end up winning the series now with Conley looking like he's coming back um the jazz sons have been the healthiest but also chris paul entering covid protocols just bonkers but then you have Jalen Rose this morning just revealing that Paul is vaccinated and that he should miss at most one game. It's just like it's just information is coming everywhere. And I I don't even know what to do with that. But it seems like the Suns avoided catastrophe there. Um, but it's just we, we don't know what's going to happen here. And now the the Sixers and uh, the Hawks with. Uh, Trey's shoulder so that doesn't look like that's going to be improved the way he's talking about it like he's just going to keep it warm and then you have Embiid's knee and he took 12 jumpers in the second half um, in that yeah. loss in game four 
I'm going to guess part of the reason that he was settling for jumpers is because he's a little hobbled and jumpers uh, are a little bit easier than just going inside on Capella and John Collins over and over again. So I just, I have no idea where things are going, but I do know that it's just, we have to pay so close attention to the injuries and just where we're at. And it's, it's kind of like, I, I don't know what to do with this, but it just sucks because the Clippers, I think, and the Nets too, were just the most stacked rosters on both sides. Like I picked Clippers Nets before the season. And mm-hmm. now it's just, I have no idea. I, I have no idea. It seems like the Nets are in good shape. And this is also just like, I'm not even mad about the Bucks. I'm just sad. Right. Like this was, they're, they haven't been hit with the injury bug at all. Like they got right. everybody, Middleton, Drew, Giannis, this whole group is healthy. It's just, they got dealt a great hand, um, not wishing injury, but like Harden being hobbled, um, <clears throat> Kyrie missing games. Like it was wide open for them to finally break through and win the Eastern Conference. And now it's probably over. And I just, we saw the rash of coach firings today. I think we can probably add <laughs> one more to the list, right? <laughs> Hey, it's, it's looking it's looking bad over there in Milwaukee because, like you said, last night was that was a game they were supposed to go out there and get. You know, it, they were supposed to take advantage of a of a hobble, hobble James Harden, and you know the KD was the only well, quote unquote superstar for that game, mm-hmm. being that James Harden was injured. And um, you know, obviously Kevin Durant put a, put on. Um, you know, amazing performance. Uh, forty. What do you have? Forty eight and triple double. Seventeen and he 10. played forty eight minutes. He had like forty six and forty eight minutes. He didn't come out. Kevin Durant played yeah. the entire game. Yeah, and Insane. that's like I loved it. And that's that's what you have to do in that situation. KD, he had a lot of criticism coming coming into this game, saying you know he can't lead, he can't do this. He got he has to go out there and win, and he went out there and did it. He put the team on his back, and I. As much as I want to get on the Milwaukee Bucks for that game, I really can't simply because KD just he just was not going to allow that team to lose. It was just that crazy three he had at the end was was bonkers, but also just the fumbling from Middleton to Giannis and the handoff to close like they were just they were just bad. They just did dumb stuff. Milwaukee was just doing dumb stuff, and the the highlight for me is James Harden calling off a double team when Giannis is back oh, down. Man. That was the most disrespectful thing I've ever seen for a superstar player like that. Giannis, like you, we, we, we know Giannis has nothing in his bag, but like, that's one of those where you're just like, Oh my God, <laughs> this is over. He, this is, this is bad, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, you're right. And like, when you look at the Milwaukee Bucks and their offense or whatever, and, and we go Giannis Middleton and, and Drew Holiday, those are three really good players. One, you know, very very good player in, in Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, but like you said, they're they're all three of them are limited offensively. So like when I seen the the tra- the the switch of you know Eric Blesso for for Drew Holiday, in my mind I I thought you know we're swapping out basically the same guy, you know. And Drew Holiday he shows flashes of being that you know, that star that you need and, you know, that great player that you need. But he's just he's he finds a way to kind of just, you know, fall behind, you know, and just disappear into the into the game in big moments. And then Chris Middleton, he's he's that he's a good number two or three option who's going to give you 
you know, his 20 points that he gives you every night, but you can't expect anything really more out of him. And Giannis, it's kind of, as, as great as Giannis is, it's the same thing. You know exactly what you're going to get from him, and that's what makes it a little easier. I, I, I ain't going to say easier, but easier for the Nets to kind of slow down and combat what Giannis does offensively because they know what he's going to do just like the whole world knows what he's going to do. So when he, if, if the game is close, you know, the Bucks are always in trouble when the game is close. It's, you know, who do you get a ball to? I don't think they had those answers. Then you get late turnovers like you did yesterday. I think the same thing happened uh, a couple of games ago with, with Middleton and, and Giannis pick and roll. It's just That's just not really something, in my opinion, that works all that great. No, it doesn't. And they invested a lot in that. They invested a lot in um, Drew. They just maxed out Drew. And, I mean, they maxed out Giannis. And this is just their group. And there's not really a way for them to pivot around it. When I was watching that game last night, I was like, you know who they could have really used in the that kind of game to match the firepower that the Nets were throwing out? Uh He's in the Hawks right now, and I very much appreciated him being a member of the Atlanta Hawks. It's Bogey Bogdanovich. Mm-hmm. Like, the shot making and him just being yep. a fearless scorer. Like, the way to beat the Nets was not just defending Durant. Like, people were way too in on Giannis. And uh, Matt Moore of Harvard Paroxysm now of the Action Network had this good tweet about this. was just that, like, the way to go back against the Nets is to accept that KD is going to get 46. It's to mm-hmm. make sure that you are scoring enough with your diverse cast to outscore them like the goal should be to outscore them not to limit them those are two very different conversations like you're not going to stop the seven foot perfect score in kevin durant like he can get a shot right. whenever he wants like that is going to happen your job right. is to not get back down by james harden and then have him call up a double team and then just break it off <laughs> the front iron like that is not not how you respond to kd catching fire like it's just it's unreal they blew that game and i i enjoyed um friend of the pod Nikias Duncan who was tweeting about this um last night of just like I don't know how you could just fumble a game that way his sadness <laughs> throughout mm-hmm. the game was it was great because it's just like one of those things where you just you feel bad for Giannis and Giannis talking about the game like this is the best player on the planet yada 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 they just mm-hmm. it seems like they've resolved to the fact that this is this is done that they cannot simply outmatch Kevin Durant and this group and um, I don't know. Have you changed now with everything in play right now? How do you see the rest of the playoffs going, Mark? Well, I, clearly, um, I got the Nets making it to the finals. I, I don't think, uh, you know, I, I expect them to get past Milwaukee, obviously. Um, and I don't think the Hawks or, or the uh, Sixers can do it. And I like with the injuries, that's going to be that's going to play a big, big part in that. And then out West, man, out West is. I had the Suns up until this morning. <laughs> I had the Suns coming to be, you know, you know, coming out of the West. But with this Chris Paul thing going into going into uh, COVID protocol, um, you know, like Jalen said, he could, it could be one game since he got vaccinated and things like that. Wouldn't be surprised because Phoenix simply because Phoenix is just like wide open. You know, what I'm saying they they have a full arena. Nobody would mask in there and stuff, or whatever. So I wouldn't be surprised if somehow he gets out there after a game. But the Golden State Warriors, you know, face this on a smaller, you know, level with Damian Lee. Damian Lee, he, um, you know, te- he he tested. I don't know if Chris Paul tested positive or not, but um, you know, Damian Lee tested positive after getting the the vaccine, and he was out for 
you know, he's out for at least some at least a month. You know, so I'm really concerned at how this Chris Paul, you know, thing is going to play out. If it is just for a game, then I I, I stick with the Suns and the Nets in the finals. But if not, um, I you, secondly it would have been the Clippers, but now Kawhi's gone, so I have to say Utah. <laughs> so Utah returns to the finals. I think the path is pretty clear for me for Suns Nets. Um, I still think Booker and this group will survive just fine. Like the the Suns know who they are, and yes, they need Chris Paul, but like I I don't know. Like I think Mitchell's going to get his, but I also just mm-hmm. trust. I trust Evan Booker now, and I trust Aiden. I trust Bridges. I trust uh, this group. I trust Jay Crowder. I I just trust who the Suns are at this point to be able to withstand. Um, that because I mean they got the Lakers with Chris Paul being hobbled like that feels like a lifetime ago of Chris Paul not being able right. to move around his own arm, and I don't think it'll be that long. The I think hopefully it's a game or two max, and I think they can survive um, against this Jazz team without him. And I also just think that's going to be the the all time great matchup there. Like I'm excited if we can get um, Chris Paul in the finals against Kevin Durant, we get the and just how awesome it is for Monty and. That group, I just enjoy watching yeah. the Suns. Like I enjoy teams that know exactly who they are. They play eight mm-hmm. smart rotation guys like Campaign, Sarich, Aiton knows his role now, and he's uh, bought all the way in. And I don't know, it just works. Like that team just makes sense, and they work. And I just want to see how that would work against Brooklyn. I mean, I think it's going to be almost impossible to beat this Brooklyn team, but um, right. you know that's why we play. And I also uh, can't wait for the next. Uh, ill-advised James Harden tweet about uh, his next investment <laughs> opportunity the day that he's coming back from his game. <laughs> and I got James Harden. He's, he's amazing on and off the court, man. He's a, he's a hilarious guy. But the day that I, he comes I, back from doubtful to questionable for a hamstring injury, he tweeted about joining the board at sex. It's the best thing ever. I think Andrew Sharp quote tweeted, like, this is the most Nets tweet of all time. And it's <laughs> uh, it's incredible. Like, they do not care. It's just like, oh, we I got work tonight. I got to go play a basketball game. But, uh, yeah, the, the sex is really where my head's at at the moment. <laughs> You know, I think that's that's how it is for those guys when it comes to KD, Kyrie, and, and, yeah. and, and James. Like, Kyrie has been clear all year that basketball isn't number one for him right now. He's 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 been talking about it all season long. And, you know, when you're that good, it's, I, it's understandable to an extent. I know people don't want to want to hear that, but do we really consider our job, you know, every day number one in our life you know we got other things that that we care care about these guys are just you know rich famous athletes who we we all we know for is performing so that's all we want to hear them talk about but but back to back to what you said about the suns versus the nets that's the matchup i want to see because like you said i don't think nobody's going to beat the nets i got the Nets winning it all but the Phoenix Suns, like they're so they're so talented, they're so young and talented and, and deep. They're they're be, they would be the team that would give the Nets the best run for their money. Yeah, because I, I I just like how they're built, especially with the healthy Chris Paul. I like how they're built and like you said, how they play. Man, they play with so much fire. They play, you know, together. You don't see you know bickering, arguing between each other and things like that. They they know who they are. So. That just knowing, like you said, knowing who you are is going to help you a long way in the seven game series. Yeah. Um. Who do you think it's the Blazers' job? Who do you, who do you think is it? Because it was like 
couple days ago that it was Chauncey was the expected guy and Dame Miller came out and saying that he wanted uh, Jason Kidd and Jason Kidd pulling his name out uh, uh, ostensibly because Dame Miller called out his name like all all that was really strange but what do you what do you make of that job Eric Spolester's name came up there a little bit because he's just uh, from the area and enjoyed it Uh, but like I I seem I I would be very surprised if he left the heat culture in that position because that seems like he's got a lifetime job there in Miami as long as he wants it Um, who do you think gets it Who, who do you suspect Man, I, I've that's that's a tough one simply because whoever decides to take that job, they have to take that job knowing what they're getting themselves into. Which you know, we seen a tweet from Damian Lillard, you know, about a couple weeks ago, where you know he's not saying he didn't say he wants to wants to leave, but it you know it kind of it kind of sounded like a farewell or whatever in that tweet or whatever. I forget the exact words he said, but it it, it didn't look good. And um, you had, you know, you had the press conference with uh, Neil O'Shea, who, um, you know, basically, you know, broke down what happened in, in a lot of detail. So it just looks like, you know, whatever coach takes that that position, it's going to be like some. It could be some chemistry, you know, issues walking into that. And um, so I don't. And that was kind of why I think Jason Kidd is kind of like, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not interested in that job or whatever because. You know, who knows what's going to happen next over there. Um, so I, I I think a lot of the big-name guys, I think a lot of the big-name big guys stay away. But so I can't, I can't even – I couldn't pick a certain person. I, I know it would be really cool if Eric Spolster did go over there because, you know, be, be, be kind of a homecoming. But my, I, I highly doubt Miami's letting him go. You know, he, he's doing an amazing job over there. And um, yeah, it's gonna be tough. But one one thing, and then we got a it's a plethora of of uh, female names who are who are coming into the picture of the coaching job. So I, I, you know, depending on what's going on with Damian Lillard over there at the Blazers, I think you know if if Dame was out or whatever, and you know they had to get rid of rid of Dame for whatever reason, that that would that would definitely be a hit. For the Blazers on on the court and as far as selling tickets, no matter who they bring back, you know it'll it'll be it'll be a hit there. So I can see them bringing in potentially one of the female coaches, you know Becky Harmon or something like that, just to kind of bring some attention over there. Because wherever whatever team hires a, a female coach, you know cameras will be there, news will be there, you know simply because history is ma- being made. But who I, I I can't I can't I don't I don't have a candidate right now who I actually think will take that job. It is interesting. Chauncey came up pretty quickly. Um, Jason Kidd has the best agent in basketball because his name already came up for the Pelicans job um, that mm-hmm. just opened up. Um, not sure who's going to get that job. Something I've thought about with coaching now with just the amount of turnover and just talking to even at the high school level and talking to college coaches, high school coaches. I think coaching now sucks. Like, I think it really sucks, and yeah. I don't think most coaches are happy. I mean, you read the co- – like, the idea – and we, we don't know if this is 100% accurate, but I don't know if you saw in the athletic piece, one of the things that it highlighted in the Dallas turmoil right now is that mm-hmm. Haralabob Vulgaris reportedly was, like, 
putting in rotations for Rick Carlisle. Like that was something that uh, Rick Carlisle was doing because of the direction from the front office of mixing and managing and stuff like that. We've seen that in baseball from years ago where like GMs are telling the manager who to put in and like, this is the lineup we want you to use this, that, and the other. Like, I don't know. Like, so when we look at these coaches, I'm like, you go through it. And I just, I think the best ones are the ones who are just like a, a former player now in basketball Mm -hmm. who can relate to these guys and B, just let them do things. Because the biggest yep. difference with Atlanta now is McMillan was like, yeah, Trey calls his own plays. He was talking about that this week. Is like Trey is more comfortable now because he is able to just read and react at what the defense gives him. And he's they just they're free. Like there's a lot more free flowing and it's just Lloyd Pierce was more uh, this is what we're doing. We're running this. We're running that. And right. players get mad. Luca got mad at Carlisle calling out plays. Mm-hmm. We saw what happened when Rondo got mad about Carlisle calling out to me plays. And we know Van Gundy was very stringent in what he wanted yep. defensively. And guess what? Brandon Ingram, young guy, didn't like it. Big surprise mm-hmm. that young guys did not like being told to do this, this, and this. And uh, defense, defense, defense. Like, that's just tough. So right. you look at Steve Nash. You look at Monty Williams, who seems like the all-time best just player negotiator, player just guy, like mm-hmm. his relationship with Chris Paul and everything. Like Those are the coaches you go after. Ty Lu, another one. It's just he yep. relates to all these guys. And I that's why I think Chauncey Bills would probably be a good coach is because he would relate to all these guys. He'd command respect. And um, I don't know. I just think it, for the coaches that really want to get back to like that early 2000s, late 90s style – I think it's gone forever. So yeah. when I see stuff like that, like you look at Nate Bajorkin in Indiana, it's like, I think part yeah. of it is just because of his style. Like the Nick nurses are just the unicorns where they don't relate right. at all. And they're just tactical wizards and they come up to the G league and they're just grinders and they, mm-hmm. they make it work. Those are right. rare. I just feel right. like, does that make sense? No, I agree with you. Like this, this league is such a, it, and I, I blame it on like AAU. It's so it's so many sources of, of playing basketball leading up to the NBA that, you know, players, they, they you have stars, you have superstars, especially with social media and stuff that's that are in high school. Like prior to 2003, LeBron was like the first high school superstar. Now you got, you know, you got a bunch of these guys. So now when they get to the NBA, these aren't just like regular 18, 19 year old kids. You know, these are 19 year old kids with with attitude, with with a persona, with a brand already. You know, you got guys who come in with, with shoe contracts and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, so the, co- the, the coach that's, you know, the Stan Van Gundys of the world or whatever, they don't really do good with these new up-and-coming players. You're not going to have a team full of old guys. So yeah. it's like, you know, they're kind of it's, – it's kind of time for Stan Van Gundy to jump back behind the camera and you know where he's do, good do he's a really good analyst he's great he's great you know and I, I can see that and uh like you said players former players they do well with coaches simply because they they've played the game plus they have the camaraderie with with players and you know throughout the league and they a lot of times they play with some of the, the players they're coaching things like that uh and then the coaches who who just are, are players' coaches, you yeah. know, the Monty Williams and things like this. Uh, Steve, Steve Curry's a former player, but he's also a player's coach, yeah. you know. And you have to – you have, like, relationships go a long way nowadays in, in today's day of basketball. 
you know, Nash it's not necessarily championship in year one, just because he's close with KD. That's it. <laughs> that's it. You know, it, KD signed off on him. Kyrie, you know, they was like, yeah, we, we want him. Uh, KD built a good relationship with him when he played for the Warriors. Yep. They, they, they talked about how they seen him, you know, working out with Steve Nash often his, the, the weird, um, his weird warm-ups that he do, he's shooting and squatting mm-hmm. and shooting and all that. All that came from Steve Nash when he when he played for him with the Warriors. Yep. So it was something they built a relationship and it's like, I really like this guy. He's up for a coaching job. I'm gonna vouch for him. Right. And, you know, you seen the 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 picture everybody got going around, you know, the world right now with Steve Nash is hugging KD and that hug is well deserved because, you know, yeah, I, I, not no disrespect to Steve Nash or, or or anybody, but I could have been the coach of KD right there, and I would have been hugging him the same way because I didn't have to coach. KD went out there and did his thing, and it makes makes me look good. So that that, but you know, I no disrespect to Steve Nash. I'm sure he knows a lot more about basketball than me. But that's what that moment was. It was like, man, you are the best player on the planet right now. And I appreciate you going out there and doing your thing. Because if the if the Nets went down last night, three two, then it, it, we would be talking about a different you know team coming out the East. Yeah. I, I say, I don't disagree. And it's just uh, we we just see it. We just overvalue it now. And it's just like recruiting. Um, being a Tennessee guy and just seeing how recruiting's changed and talk to coaches and ads about that. If just that like the fifth most important thing to recruits now is winning. Like they don't know the reason Alabama is winning national titles is not because Derek Henry and Tua Tungviola Viola and Jalen Waddle <laughs> are trying to win college championships. They don't give a shit. Like they are there right. because you are preparing them for the NFL draft. Like that is why yep. they are there because they see Alabama, 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 Clemson, Ohio State in the first round. Mm-hmm. Like that is what they see is like, I want to get in the first round and make this my career. Like this is my job prep. And I think right. uh, if you don't have that mindset as a modern coach of like, you have to look at your guys as like they are there or they look at you as the person who is going to help them get paid and get to that next contract. And if you are not right. helping them get to that next contract or they don't believe that you care about that, if you're just going, we want to win a title, you're not going to get through to these guys. The Nets don't care. Like, I really don't yeah. think the Nets care about winning a title. They're just playing basketball. They're making a lot of money. They're having fun. I think Katie, Kyrie, Steve Nash, and James Harden just enjoy each other's company. And DeAndre Jordan, that's why they brought him in and paid him. He was like, you want me? You got to bring in my friend. Like that is their whole thing. They want a happy business environment. It is not like we are mighty ducksing this situation and we're just uh, all in for the team and we do it for the love of the game. And I'm not saying that's wrong. And I want to make that clear. It's like, I'm not saying any of this is wrong. It's just Mm -hmm. how it's changed and how it's evolved. It's like, it's a business and it's more of a business than I think it's ever been. Yeah, for sure. And and like you said, who who wouldn't want to go to work every day with guys you like, you know, and, and they're doing it right now, and they're they're having success with it because their talent talent levels are so high that this is actually probably going to work. Yep. They're probably going to win a championship together. And I'm sure when KD wins, I'm sure he'll say this was his fun. KD and Kyrie, I'm sure they'll say this was the funnest year of yeah. their career because <laughs> you know they you know they go live with each other, have they have their weird you know Kyrie and KD conversations and things like that, and you know, James Harden had had a relationship with KD already. So Steve Nash, like 
this just looks like a really, really fun group. Like everybody, like everybody enjoys each other over there as weird as they are. Cause they're all very strange people, but you know, they enjoy each other. And so if you could go into a happy, you know, work, work environment or whatever, like it's, you, you know, you, if you, you want to win the championship, but if you didn't, it's like, yo, we had a good time. We'll, we'll try again next year. And I think that's been the attitude for them. And it's, and it's going to work, you know, as much as, you know, as much as people don't want it to work, you know, it, th- this, this team is just too talented, you know, outside of the big three with Joe Harris and the, Oh, the pickup of uh Mike James from a, a overseas guy who can act. He's really good. He can play like this. Ju- Jeff Green, he, he balled out yesterday. Mm-hmm. Like oh, another guy team, that they're close to. Another guy that they all like. Another, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Jeff Green, yeah, another guy. Man, so this is like, man, this is like a dream team, you know, in itself or whatever. Not as far as like they're the top players of, of of the NBA right now, but just like they're it's a bunch of good players. I feel I feel like I've been disrespected guy because I haven't mentioned Blake Griffin. Yeah, who all of a sudden could dunk again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, this is just like man, this team. They, they, Lamarcus Aldridge, he'll get a ring, even though he's you know not with the team right now. So this was just a a fun and unfair. I'll say that I go over and say this is unfair, it, but it, it looked like they're having a good time, and the Brooklyn Nets are going to get a championship this year. Yeah. Um, the all NBA teams also came out this week for second and third. Uh, some people lost money. Shout out to Jason Tatum and Spida, unfortunately for, did they lose 33 million collect, uh, individually for not making any of the teams? I think I saw that. Like that's gotta be brutal to just wake up and check your phone and be like, sorry, sorry, honey. Uh, didn't get that extra 33. Uh, didn't get that 33 million. They didn't think I was worthy. Um, (laughs) <laughs> that's got to be a tough conversation but uh i also just don't know what the case is to have uh bradley beal on a team over donovan mitchell i think people mm-hmm. overthink bradley beal a lot more like uh, would you ever consider starting your team with current donovan mitchell versus current bradley beal like is it even close for you because for me it's like it's not even close like, devin booker is ahead of bradley beal i don't know maybe i'm missing something with the beal experience i'm so, yeah, I'm I'm a big Bradley Bill guy. Okay. So so I'm a bad Bradley Bill guy. Um I I hear what you say. I get your point. And when it comes to you know success, Bradley Bill has not had it. You know, he's he's been a guy that's been, you know, what you could say patting the stat sheet. But I I I look at you know, when I look at the Wizards, I look at you know what they had and you know Russell Westbrook, yeah. It it is Russell Westbrook which he's a similar player as a bill by his numbers hasn't equated to to wins uh donovan mitchell is just being he's been overlooked he's been overlooked by me he's been overlooked by you know tons of media members and it's starting to shine simply because he's on the big stage right now and he's i i would when I when them them are three good names to to compare with Bill in my opinion Bill Booker Mitchell and I have them all like right there with each other but I would have to go if I'm starting a team I would have to go Mitchell and Booker because of the youth you know they're younger than Bill not that Bill's old more complete players like I think that there is more 
on both ends that you can get out of those two than you can Bradley Beal. I think Bradley Beal is a number two for like Bradley Beal next to Giannis makes a lot of sense to me as the the, mm-hmm. back, the other guy. But I think Booker and Mitchell can actually be the number one in a championship team. I just don't think Beal can. I I feel like Booker has the potential. I don't feel that about Donovan. I don't feel that about Donovan. Uh, I I think he's great. I think at times he relies too much on a jump shot for me because he's amazing when he does, when he's doing when he's mixing it up. He's amazing, but he can't he can't get comfortable. Just like my favorite guy. My favorite guy, you know, one of my favorite players was Tracy McGrath. Oh, and I love him, yeah. Yeah, he was my he was my dude. But when he got to Houston, obviously injuries played a part in it. But he was like, you know, KD where he could just rise up and shoot over anybody. And I feel like, and I think I said the interview where he said that he kind of he knew that, so he started just doing it because that was the easy thing to do: go to the basket. Getting bumped around, you know, get to the free throw line, that takes a lot on your body. But it's, and it's a lot easier to shoot jump shots. And Tracy McGrady, as great as he was, he, he could have, in my opinion, he could have been better. Yeah. Uh, he could have been better if he would have, uh, you know, continued to go towards the basket and things like that. I think McGrady's upside was way higher. Uh, Pete McGrady, I would still take. Not even close over Bradley Beal. And I like Bradley Beal a lot. I think Bradley yeah, Beal sure. is just, it just depends on like what his role is. Like, I think it's just like with my stuff with Beal is strictly a role situation is like, where is the, where do you maximize Bradley Beal? And I think you maximize Bradley Beal as the number two for a limited number one option offensively, right? Like the Giannis type. I think he is the perfect compliment. Honestly, the the other compliment I think would actually be perfect for him is Luca. Like if you just had that two-headed dragon in Dallas, I think that uh I think that would be that would be something to to monitor and I think that's something that would just run ravage over the Western Conference for several years. I don't know how you stop the firepower of Luca and Bradley Beal in late game situations like that's just pick your poison um and i think that's also just what a lot of the smart teams around the league are doing is just like just beef up your backcourt as much as humanly possible because they have the ball in their hands more i mean we just saw with the blazers we obviously seen with the team you cover with the the warriors um the wizards tried it with wall and beal and they tried it again with westbrook and beal um i just think chris paul and james harden chris paul and devin booker uh donovan mm-hmm. mitchell and mike conley like you just go up and down the list the smartest teams are the ones that understand that like you put all your resources into the guys who are bringing the ball up the most and that can be the point forward that can be your lead backcourt but you need two guys in the backcourt at the very minimum who are above average offensive guys um to stand a chance and i think uh something like that would uh would be cool um i don't know do you think to to bring it all full circle with um the blazers too because i i'm fascinated by their offseason more than other teams i think just because they have right. a lot of interesting pieces to move right. i don't think dame's moving but i also would just be very interested to see what cj mccollum's trade value is and like what teams around the league actually see him as because i don't know who the right fit is but like he's not flipping any title chances he's not flipping any team's fortunes like i don't really know where he's supposed to go that's really going to make all that much of a difference right yeah so same and, and i think it'll be the same in return i think you're going to get somebody 
you know, the caliber of a CJ McCollum, you know, CJ. And I, I, I don't think, I don't think Dave leaves personally, but at last we was talking about coaches coming, they, they have to consider that because it, it is a small possibility. But I think the move is to try to figure out, you know, what to do with uh, CJ McCollum. Because uh, also they have, with CJ, you had the, the odd interview with uh, Yusuf Nurkic. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like he's out. You know, and that's that's a major piece. And um, the Blazers have like it's it's so like they've been good. They've been a solid team the last you know eight years or so. And I think they 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 just peaked right there. I think they're peaked. I don't see them getting better. I don't see them making a move that is like oh you know they're going to be contenders next year. Uh, I know you know Dame has to not be happy with that because I I believe he wants to win a championship. And, and you know the, the time is ticking on him, but um, the CJ the CJ move I think you have to at least you know put him out there and like you say figure out what his trade value is because you know it's like I said it's not a team out there that's going to be like oh we need CJ McCullough you know no you know no disrespect to him he can play you know he can score but he's he's shown that he's really like one dimensional. You know, he's a guy you give him the ball score. Um, he's not necessarily a, a great playmaker from what we've seen, but maybe on another team, maybe he shows he can. Maybe he shows us he's actually better than what he is, but Dame has been leading the show. So it'll have to be a team that'll just, you know, that'll take a, you know, take a chance on him. I, I can see, like, you know, I think I think we was talking about Bill. I, I think Bill would do good with, with Dame. Pair with Dame, like we talked about the backcourt guys. You know, Dame would be the yeah. number one option, but you have Bill who can go out and he could create, he could get his own shot. You know, um, that would be, in my opinion, an uh, upgrade. But at the same time, the Wizards would be doing the Blazers a favor. Well, you'd have to take Nurkic <laughs> and some picks. I don't even know. Like, I guess Anthony Simons is going with that. Like, you're you're gonna yeah, have to give up. Yeah. I just, yeah, I don't. I, and even with that, I just, I think you still you know, you lose. So it just depends on what, what teams want to do, you know, going, if they're looking into the future. Because when I look at, you know, that Blazer roster or whatever, I see a lot of, I see a lot of decent players with a lot of limitations. <laughs> so it's, and that's basically what, like, when we seen the Blazers get bounced, you know, um, this this year, you know, that's what you're seeing. You know, Dame had that 55-point game and you couldn't really get anything else out of anybody else. And because they're, they're, you know, you got three and D guys, you got CJ who's a scorer, but he has to have the ball to score. So that means you're taking the ball out of Dame hands. Who's, who's your, your only playmaker. Yusuf Nurkic is, is a beast on the glass and, and in the post that slows down the game, hurts Dame a little bit. If you slow him down the game, plus he's a liability on defense. So, you know, you got a lot of Anthony Simons. We don't know exactly what he is yet. You know, he's still developing. He has, he has a, you know, a, he, you can look at the future for him. So it really just going to depend on, like, what what a team is looking for for anybody to make a move over there. <clears throat> yeah. Um, last thing, and we'll, we'll wrap up on this two-parter. Um, first... How do you think Atlanta Philly plays out tonight? Do you think Atlanta steals Game Five, or do you think Embiid bounces back and draws a bunch of fouls, and Atlanta just has no no 
no solution to Embiid just being inside and doing whatever he wants. Yeah, I think I, that's what I think happened. I, I think Philly takes this one. I think this this series. Uh, let's see, what Philly's down right? Well, it's two Three, two. two. It's two two. 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 Yeah, I think the I think the series go go to seven. I think Philly I think comes so out of you know um, Joel and B. He 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 usually comes when he's criticized or whatever. He usually plays with a chip on the shoulder the next game, and I could see a big game from Joel and B. But if for whatever reason, you know, if he's really that hobbled, he's really hurt, and we see the same type of output that we got in the second half of last game, and this this. This series is for the Hawks. You know, once again, I think who wins who wins this this game five. I think they take the series, even though you know, obviously that's what statistics usually say. But I, I don't see either one of these teams being good enough and healthy enough to come back and win two games. You know, to to win the series. But I but I do have this series going to seven though. Interesting. Uh, last thing. What do you think happens with Golden State this offseason? What do you what do you think their offseason is? Do you think they just bet on Clay being back and then they're back into contention? Do you think Wiseman will be good enough next year to make a big impact? What do you what do you make of Golden State's uh offseason plans? What would you guess? Do you see a major move in the cards? I don't. I don't see a major move. Um if something Excuse me. If something pops up to where a team really wants, you know, wise, it's a team that has a, you know, a veteran that, you know, they want to put out there to try to get a championship and they want to rebuild. Um, the Warriors have, have came out and said that Wiseman, he won't be traded. You know, they plan on keeping him, but, you know, you can't always trust, you know, with the owners or coaches or anybody saying they go at the end of the day, they go do what's best for business. And um, but I, I think for the majority, they they keep the roster the same simply because I, I think if they were healthy this year, I think the Golden State Warriors are still playing right now. I pro- Well, with the injuries that's happened, I would say the Golden State Warriors are coming out the West if they were healthy, because what happened with James Wiseman was really unfair. You know, he's a kid that he didn't really get to play college ball. Um, no training camp. So he's like, you know, he's in and out from injuries to COVID, you know, violations and things like that. So he's almost two years out from the last time he played, like since he was like 17 years old. Then you throw him on this team where you think you got Steph, Clay, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond, and then he'll be the center. And if you have all those guys, he can kind of just blend in and do the things that he does well on a regular basis. He, you know, he's athletic. He can rebound. He, well, he should be able to rebound because he's athletic and tall and, you know, fast and things like that. But once Clay went down, Warriors needed more scoring. And the only person that they could look on, look at for more scoring was James Wiseman. But now you're asking a 19 year old kid, to come out there and be the, you know, second or third leading scorer on the team, which, you know, he clearly wasn't ready for that role. But with the fully healthy Golden State Warriors team, I think he'll look 10 times better than what we've seen from him last year because he's able to be comfortable and, like I said, do the things that he does well already and continue in the process get better 
with all the things that he struggles with, you know, and, and, and timing and things like that. Because Clay, man, Clay, the the biggest thing, I expect Clay to come back to like all star form because he's one of those guys like he's not a dribbler, he's not a you know a real shifty guy, he, but he can score, which he has. He can score fifty without dribbling the ball, and his shot. His shot isn't going anywhere. He gonna come back with that same stroke. You see, seen the video of him shooting from the corner with his boot on, barely, barely even jump, not jumping at all. It's just shooting. I think he hit like 13, 14 threes straight. Like the shot is never gonna leave. So when you have the threat of Clay Thompson, who's arguably the you know the second greatest shooter of all time, paired with the greatest shooter of all time, and then you have an in shape Draymond Green. He's back to you know his tip top form. I think they stay put, to answer your question, I think they stay put for the most part. And I think next year the Golden State Warriors are a very, very dangerous team. Okay, okay. I hope so. I, I miss Steph playing in meaningful basketball games. It was a delight to watch him this right? year. Um, <laughs> I, I need him back. And just Clay. We just need Clay Thompson back in our lives. We need happy Draymond, happy Clay, happy Steph. It's just a fun thing. Yeah. Um, Mark. <laughs> What can we check out from you at Clutch Points or anywhere else this week? Clutch Points, you could, I'll be sometime this summer. I'll have my year one uh, YouTube show coming back with um, where I'm talking to professional athletes about their first year in the league, whether it's NBA players or NFL. Um, you can look out for that. Uh, I'll be, you know, I'm in the writing now, so I'm, I'm I'll have some uh, feature stories throughout the summer. Uh, from some Warrior players, so you can still follow me for Warriors content, along with other, you know, NBA teams and things like that. Um, I still got my Minute Till Six podcast with my co-host Chris Perry, and you know, we probably ask, I'll probably ask some more things by, you know, by the next time you see me. Um, I'm always staying busy, so you know, hey, I appreciate you for having me on your platform. Let me talk with you and. You know, hopefully you have me again. All right. Absolutely, Mark. Thank you so much for making the time. Uh, you stay safe out there, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you. Thank you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.